0: Good morning everyone and welcome to our worship this morning, Sunday the 16th of January. Let us focus now upon the Lord as we set aside this moment and create the space to meet with him. Let us open our hearts to hear his word, to hear his still small voice. Speak Lord, for your servant is listening. Let us pray. Arise, shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Sea darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the glory of the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. People will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. The glory of the Lord rises upon you, the Lord's glory will appear over you. Restore us, Lord. Renew us, O Lord. Restore and renew us. Lord, as you turned water into wine, transform our lives, we pray, by your Holy Spirit. Fill us to overflowing with your everlasting joy. Change our hearts with your abundant grace and love. Lord, forgive us, we pray, when we have neglected your spirit. Forgive us for exchanging the exuberant new life that you give for dry duties, meaningless rituals. Lord, like empty vessels waiting to be filled, we pray that you would revive us today. Restore unto us the joy of your salvation. Forgive us, Lord, when we fail to listen to you, and instead we've listened to the many voices of the world around us, and followed its dictates and directions. Lord, we feel to, to live as salt and light at the salt of the earth. We feel to preserve it and dispel its darkness. Lord, have mercy upon us we pray. Forgive our neglect and our confusion of heart. Cleanse us, we pray, with the blood which you shed for us at Calvary. Forgive us, Lord. Restore and renew us. Through Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. John chapter 2 and verses 1 to 11. Let us hear the word of God. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from twenty to thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. But you have saved the best until now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed him. And may God bless to us this reading of his word. This week we've heard an awful lot about parties, The parties in number 10 Downing Street, when the rest of us were bound by lockdown rules. Parties that were so wholly inappropriate for the circumstances we were in back then, when so many of us couldn't even see our loved ones. It's little surprise then that there has been so much anger, so much hurt, so much outrage. There's a time to party, and that was not the time. And especially for those who were setting the rules and supposedly the example for everyone else. Strangely enough, today's lectionary text b- brings us to a party, except the occasion for this party was wholly justified. And it's a story that reminds us that times of celebration and times of joy will come again through our personal sacrifices and our sadness, here is a sign that points us to better days that are yet to come. The reason for this party in John 2 was a wedding. Weddings are meant to be joyful occasions. The guests were happy, the wine was flowing, it was a moment of celebration and joy and the beginning of a new life together for this happy couple. Among the other things today's reading tells us is that God loves weddings too. After all, marriage is something given by God, as we read in the book of Genesis. And at the other end of the Bible, Revelation, we're told that heaven will be a lot like a wedding banquet. For God's people, the new age to come will be a time of celebration and joy that never ends. And this miracle of Jesus that we're looking at today seems to point us beyond our present circumstances to that never-ending joy. Now, first century Middle Eastern weddings could at times seem unending. They could have gone on for three, maybe even five days. I know a wee bit about that because my own wedding in West Timor went on for three days, which was quite normal there. Imagine the amount of planning and calculating that goes into such a party. The family and neighbours coming together to help. The young men helping assemble great big shelters with palm leaves to give guests shade from the sun. The woman divided into committees ordering supplies from the market preparing the food to sustain the hundreds of guests over those lengthy celebrations. And in this case, the wine. Wine was a very important element in any social gathering back then not because of people getting drunk but because wine in the Bible was strongly associated with joy and celebration. The people of Israel were described in the Bible as God's vineyard and wine symbolised for them life, joy, hope and most importantly of all God's blessing. But this party in Cana was about to go flat. Because the unthinkable had happened. They had run out of wine. Hugely embarrassing. The shame and humiliation for this family would be remembered and talked about for quite some time. How could they not have ensured that there would be enough wine to go around? Now Jesus' mother were told perhaps because she herself was a was quite close to this family or maybe part of this family. Well she felt their shame and she felt their embarrassment and so she came to her son Jesus because she believed he could do something to rescue this family, to redeem this situation, to restore them to the, the role that they'd have been expected to fulfill on this occasion. And she was right of course. Nearby we're told were were six stone water jars, jars used for ceremonial washing. The guests arriving at the wedding each probably would have ceremonially washed themselves with the water from these large stone vessels. Those six jars held in total about 700 litres of water, well over 100 gallons, equivalent to to about 1,000 bottles of wine. The quantities involved here are just crazy. But this miracle of the water being turned into wine wasn't just about quantity. It was also about quality because we're told that that the wine was so good that the master of the banquet believed that the best had been saved until last. And this, we're told by John, was the first of the miraculous signs. John's Gospel is full of these signs that are designed to point us In the direction of Jesus and to understand who he is. This is the moment in the Gospels where we begin to see Jesus for who he really is. Water turning to wine is is something really amazing, it's astounding but then you look at who did it and that's something else altogether. John says that Jesus did this the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory And his disciples believed him, believed in him. Don't miss that. John doesn't say that they believed in miracles. He says that they believed in Jesus. Because of the miracles, they believed in Jesus. The miracles for John were the signposts pointing us to Jesus. Remember, we're still in the season of Epiphany. When things are being revealed to us, things are being shown to us about who Jesus is and what he's come to do. And this is what's happening here. At the time of Jesus, there was already much talk about the coming of the Messiah, God's anointed, who would come to his people Israel and set them free. Not everybody believed, of course, and not everybody believed it the same way. But some of the rumours about this Messiah were that when he came, He would usher in a new age and some of the characteristics of this age would include things like unprecedented abundance and joy. Listen to this passage from Isaiah 25. The Lord will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples. He will swallow up death forever and wipe away the tears from all faces. On this mountain he will make for all peoples A feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, the best of meats and the finest of wines. And listen to this one from Jeremiah 31. They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord. The grain, the new wine and the oil, the young of the flocks and herds, they will be like a well-watered garden and they will sorrow no more. When the Messiah comes to usher in his kingdom, there's going to be plenty, there's going to be joy, there's going to be celebration. The scriptures say the banquet table will be loaded down and the wine will flow like water. Jesus, by turning plain water into abundant supplies of the finest wine, Was giving us the first of his signs pointing us to who he is, the long-awaited Messiah who comes to restore joy to God's people and blessing in abundance. He was going to come and he was going to turn their sorrow into rejoicing, he was going to remove their shame, to restore them to be the joyful people that God had called them to be in relationship with him, to be a blessing to all the people of the world. So by turning water into wine, Jesus was giving his disciples a giant sign that he was this long promised king. Jesus Christ is the king sent by God the Father to bring abundant blessings to his people. The king whose rule would last forever. But this sign goes deeper still. It points to something else that the Messiah had come to do. John introduces this event with the words on the third day now there's no reason for him to do that unless he's making a point and the point would seem to be to remind us of Jesus death and his resurrection on the third day the ceremonial vessels for for washing transformed by being given another better purpose remind us of his death on the cross his blood shed for us that makes us permanently clean. Those huge jars for ceremonial washing are now obsolete. God and Jesus has replaced all of that with something much, much better. Something that brings us great delight. Jesus fills us with the new rich and abundant life in his spirit. Jesus' ability to turn water into wine was truly amazing. But John doesn't tell us this story just to amaze us or to to entertain us. This is a sign with a purpose and its purpose is to show us Jesus' glory, to show us that he is God's Son and God's Messiah King. Signs are there to be followed. Um, Like any sign we can choose to ignore them or we can choose to, to follow them. And we read that As for Jesus' disciples, well, they followed the sign. They couldn't ignore what they'd seen and they followed the sign and they put their faith in him. They believed Jesus had come from God to be their king. They believed that he was the one who could bring them God's blessings and deep joy without end. They believed that Jesus was somebody they could trust. And in him, just like the plain water in those jars was transformed into the best of wines, so too their lives were transformed to become a source of God's blessing to the peoples of the world. What about for us? Does the sign in today's reading create or strengthen faith in us? Does it make us want to be his disciple? I think in many areas of our lives at this time, and not least in our churches, in our congregations, we feel to some degree that the party has been put on hold or even that it's come to an abrupt end. It's a funny time, it's a strange time for our churches. We've, we've never been here before and we maybe feel a little bit weakened, perhaps even humiliated. We are a church in desperate need of renewal. Could this be the moment? For Jesus to surprise us and to delight us by turning water into wine. Here he is bringing life and transformation to ceremonial worship of the Jews. Maybe in our own lives and families we feel that we need that kind of renewal. We need hope at a time when we run dry and we long for Jesus to transform the plain water of empty outward religious ritual into something altogether different, something living, something vibrant, something full of joy. God's abundant grace, his Holy Spirit, bringing us new life, restoring us to the purpose and the vocation that he's given us to be a blessing to the people of the world, to be a light to them. Called to be like salt, strikingly different in a way that causes people to sit up and to take notice And ask us to explain the hope that is within us. The signs are pointing to Jesus today. The life of the party in the very deepest sense. He is the one who can change things for you. And he is the one who can change things for our church. Amen. Let us come before God now with our prayers for one another and our prayers for our world. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for our churches at this time across our city, across our land and across our world. We need your renewal, Lord, at this time. We need your revival and we pray for a fresh awakening. An outpouring of your spirit. Remake us at this time of challenge and change. Revive us and restore us to the purpose that you have for us. We pray Lord for the people of the Tonga Islands affected by the massive volcanic eruption yesterday. Lord we don't really know what's going on there as yet. But we pray for the safety and the protection of the people who live there. And another neighboring Pacific Island nations. Lord, we ask for your help in getting communications restored and in the delivery of help and support. We pray too, Lord, today for the family and the friends of Arstein Murphy. Lord, give them strength and give them comfort in their cruel loss. We pray for justice, Lord and that our land may be a place where women no longer need to be looking over their shoulder, living in fear. May your kingdom come, Lord. Shine your light in this dark world we live in. We pray too, Lord, for an easing of tensions between Russia and Ukraine and the NATO countries. Lord, we pray that conflict will be averted, We pray for dialogue and we pray for truth and justice and peace and goodwill. Lord, we pray for our government and our nation at this time, that we'd learn the lessons of these days. Help us all, Lord, to to lead by example and to put into action that which we say, instruct, teach, preach or legislate for. Help us to learn from you, Lord, to learn the way of truth and grace and love and integrity. Lord, we remember that those who are sick, those preparing for surgery, those on challenging courses of treatment, and those whose vulnerability means that they're isolated from person-to-person contact with loved ones. Lord, as we think about them, we ask that you might grant them your healing, Give them strength, Lord, and fill them with your hope and joy today. Lord, help our NHS staff at this time and care workers. Give them stamina and encouragement. Help them not to be overwhelmed, but to see better days ahead. Lord, hear our prayers as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you this day and forevermore. Amen.